Well, it's my privilege to, uh, and my honour to be part of this series that you're doing together as a church, What Kind of Church? And I think it was actually a, a few months ago that Luke actually got hold of me and said, would you please speak about being an apostolic church? So my contribution today to the series, What Kind of Church? is what it means to be um, an apostolic church. And... Um, the closer I got to this particular topic, um, which I will need to get into very quickly, is um, uh, I, I realised how a bit tricky it is to talk about a subject like this to a congregation full of people who are at kind of very different levels of their own Christian life and exploration, and, and some of you have just newly become part of Kings, and some of you may be visiting from other churches, or, or you're here for a while and you're going to go somewhere else. And this is the sort of topic that elders and, and, and leaders get very excited about, but often congregations kind of look at them and say, why are you getting excited about this? And that's why it's a little bit tricky. So what I'm going to do this morning is hopefully make this very relevant to you. Um, personally, I hope that's what will come across. I've been so encouraged by some of the contributions in our worship that's going to help me in, in this. But what is an, an apostolic church by way of introduction? Um, and so kind of go with me on this journey. Um, some of the verses of scripture we're going to look at are not verses you're normally... You might not hear another chat preach on this for about another five years. So... So just kind of come with me on this journey together and discover what it means to be part of, of an apostolic church. The word apostle uh, literally means sent. And uh, in the New Testament, that could refer to a person. It could refer to a people, a, a local church being an apostolic people. And it could refer in the New Testament to a family of churches, an apostolic family of churches who were called up together on mission just like we are. So what better person to start to talk about what it means to be a sent person than Jesus himself? Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 describes Jesus, therefore holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. There are many other references in the New Testament to Jesus being the apostle, the archetype, the, the model of what it means to be an apostle is Jesus himself. And of course, Jesus has been sent to the earth by his heavenly father in order to save men and women from their sins. This is the grace of God and the mercy of God that right at the heart of everything about Christianity is that God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Jesus is the apostle he has sent. The Bible says he is the absolute reflection, the image of what God looks like. Every time someone says to you, well, I'll believe in God when I see him, please, Christians, say to them, you can see him in the face of Jesus. It's not something in the future you have to wait for. He has already come and he is revealed. What is God like Jesus displays. Dig into Jesus and you find out what God is like, who he is. So Jesus is this person, this sent one, the apostle that has come to dwell amongst us. And I just want to say this in passing, it's important. If you're a Christian here today and a follower of Jesus, and in a sense Jesus lives in you and me, then just as he has been sent, so are you. 
It's interesting, the, the, some of the words in our worship about being sent. You're a sent one. You're a representation. You're an ambassador of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I don't always feel sent. <laughs> I don't always, and some of us kind of put that sense of being sent kind of low down in our being. Um, but you still are, whether you are aware of it or not, or whether you feel it or not. There's something in every Christian that is sent to people who don't know Jesus. You think, well, I can't remember the last time I ever talked to anyone about Jesus, but that doesn't mean you're not sent. There's something inside of you, even as I'm speaking for some of you, it's like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I haven't really gone places and done much, but I do know that's true. It's, it's in you, if you're a Christian, there's something in you that still longs to reach out to others and talk to them about Jesus and be an example of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And uh, in that sense, we're all apostolic to the lost. We're answering the question, you know, what is, it, what is apostle? What is it like? Um, but you can't do this on your own. <laughs> you can't save everybody on your own. You can't save anybody, but you can't save the nations on your own. And so God puts those of us who are sent into a community of people. He places us in the local church. And I'll say this again later. He then places the local church in a family of churches to reach the nations of the world. Um, Jesus models this because he's not the only apostle. And then in scripture we find that he gathers others and appoints them as apostles. We, most of us know, even lots of people that are not Christians know that there were 12 apostles. Challenges, if I said to you, name them all to the person next to you, some of us would be struggling, myself included. It's not so much their names, what's important is that Jesus models something straight away. I am the apostle, but I am giving away what I've received from the Father to others. And so he appoints these 12 apostles. Luke chapter 9, verse 1, and he, gave, he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons to, and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And then you go down into the, uh, verse 10 and it says, on, on their return, the apostles told him uh, all that they had done. They, they somehow in being sent had become apostles. They're now recognized as being apostles. And then we come to Romans chapter one and verse one and we hear the testimony of the apostle Paul. And he says, Paul, he's writing this letter, he says, a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Um, you know, to be an apostle is not to be self-appointed. You, you know that you're an apostle because God has called you to do that. And actually, if you're an apostle, then you're not only called by God to do it, it's then recognized by others. There's a passage in scripture where Paul, though he knows God's called him an apostle, goes up to Jerusalem, he meets the other apostles, and it says, and they recognize the anointing of God upon them. These are not isolated characters who've self-appointed themselves to be apostles. Sometimes you find people like that in the world today, very scary. You have to know that God's called you, and it also gets confirmed by those around. Yes, we do believe that you have that gift from God, that apostolic gift. And then, of course, that throughout Scripture, the New Testament, you find many other references to many others who are called 
apostles. Why am I emphasizing this? Well, some Christians think that um, there were only 12 apostles and there were no other. We've just seen that Paul himself called himself an apostle. What's amazing is these Christians haven't read their Bibles properly because when you look through the New Testament, you find apostles mentioned everywhere. i just give you one example, Acts chapter 14, verse 14. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, oh, okay, so Barnabas is is now apostle and in my Bible, maybe it's not in yours, but it should be because you've got the same one that I have. You find all these different names of Andronicus, Junius, Apollos, James, the half-brother of Jesus, Silas, Timothy, Titus. In fact, then you discover that there's whole bands. There's, there's not rock bands, bands of, of mission trips and teams together who have an apostolic gifting, who are serving churches and sending churches out on mission. And when it says those who have turned the world upside down have come here also, it's because God sent them and called them and appointed them to do apostolic ministry, which we're going to look at in a moment. And it's so important in today, today's uh, understanding of church that we believe that apostles are are those that God has called and set apart particularly to this ministry of causing the church to be sent into mission. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Are you still with me, by the way? Well done. Well, this is really a bit theological on a Sunday morning. Um, but, but 1 Corinthians 1, verse 28. Sure, it's theological every Sunday morning. <laughs> One or two who is smiling there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 28. And God has appointed in the church... First apostles, second prophets, and then goes down the list. This is not about hierarchy. So, okay, first apostles, they're the important people. The understanding of scripture is apostles are not the important people at the top of a tree. They're there to serve the church. They're there to exalt Jesus. They're there to cause something to happen. So why does it say, um, and God has appointed the church first apostles? I'm convinced that the answer to that question is, of first importance. It's not that they're important. It's kind of like when you're getting things together, this is, this is essential. If, if you're going to have other things, please don't leave out apostles. They're kind of pivotal. They're kind of very, very important in terms of the kind of church that Jesus is building. We can turn to this passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter four. I'm just going to read to you some verses from here. This gets very practical in a moment, so it'll be fine. Um, But these are important things. In Ephesians chapter four, verse seven, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that, but that he also descended into lower regions the earth. He who descended is the one who has also ascended far above all the heavens that he may fill all things. And he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors or shepherds and teachers to equip the saints. So I don't know about you, there are three things quickly to draw out of that passage. The first thing is it's the ascended Christ who gives gifts to men. So sometimes you'll meet Christians who will say, well, apostles died out in the first century. We, we don't believe in them today. We don't have apostles <clears throat> around today because there were only the 12. Well, we've just proved that that's not true because there were loads of people <laughs> in scripture also called apostles. But it all died out in the first century. 
Uh, There aren't apostles around today. But it's the ascended Christ. Can I ask you a question? And you can give me an answer. Is Jesus today ascended? Yes. And it's the ascended Christ. In other words, this Jesus is still, he's still giving apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers. He's still calling people in this congregation today to do things. It's not just the resurrected Jesus, it's the ascended Jesus on high. And here we are, 2,000 plus years later, he's still ascended. Guess what? He's still giving gifts. He's still building his church. He's still giving away to the people of God and giving gifts in this way. Second thing is, and when you're chatting to Christians, like say it's all over, you absolutely can't carve up verse 11 to your own tastes. So, well, I, believe in, I do believe the pastors of today, then why don't you believe they're apostles? I mean, who's got the authority to decide in verse 11 who's around today and who was only for the first century? There is absolutely no evidence, brothers and sisters, that apostles are no longer relevant to the 21st century. In fact, the total opposite. And some of you have already twigged this. In, in these verses, in Ephesians chapter 4, the word until comes several times. Jesus will continue to give apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists until. And we have not yet come to the until. I believe until Jesus comes again, he will continue to give these gifts. Amen. Well done, guys. You, just, you still look attentive. It's amazing. This is, can I just say this is really more exciting than watching Hearts play Rangers on the telly yesterday? <laughs> wow. Anyway. Now I'm going to ask the question and I'm going to answer it with four uh, main points. What is an apostolic church? That's the background. What is an apostolic church? First of all, it's a church that receives and aligns itself to apostolic ministry. So if these gifts are around today, King's Church, and I believe all local churches, need to align themselves to a recognised apostolic ministry, or if you'd like to become part of an apostolic family. It's always God's will that this should happen. And I don't know about you, but when I read the New Testament particularly, I'm always struck by how simple church life was and sometimes how complicated we've made church life today. When you see how the New Testament church operated, it, it kind of, it doesn't take very long for you to find out, but there were elders and there were people called deacons and then there was you and me, the body of Christ, who actually do everything. And so you've got elders, simplistic, deacons, pretty straightforward, everybody doing everything. That's how the church that Jesus is building functions. There are no committees and hierarchies and different things. It's just a very simple, free-flowing, fast-growing, organic, dynamic thing. And you see straight away in Scripture that, those, that that's what was operating in local churches. And then there was these characters, Ephesians 4 ministries, apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists, who seem to kind of travel in and out of these local churches, building them up encouraging them, asking questions, moving them forward, making sure their doctrine is in a good place, making sure they fulfill what God has called them, kind of like 
stopping local churches from becoming parochial and saying, there's a big world out there. Come on, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. And, and, and that's the simplistic model that you see in the New Testament. People, local churches received these different people who they loved and knew and had a relationship. It was never imposed upon them against their will. They, they were glad when they heard that ministries were coming through and they were going to be built up. Here's a question, and I'd love you to help me to tell me you're awake by answering it. Is Jesus building his church? Good, I'm glad that you agree. And if he's building his church, he's going to do it the same way as he did it in the first century? Doesn't that make sense? It's not that as the thousands of years gone by, he's evolved into another way of doing church. It's like we're sophisticated. We live in the Western world and we've got technology. So obviously Jesus is going to build his church differently to the first century. Now cultures come and go and we we need to be very aware of the culture in which we live and all the issues and we need to be relevant (coughs) to the culture and we need to find ways creatively to connect with our culture, with the gospel, etc. But values that are biblical values and ways, if you like, of Jesus building his church, they don't change at all. You can get where I'm coming from, can't you? An apostolic church is a church that aligns itself to apostolic ministry simply because Jesus is still doing the same thing today that he did 2,000 years ago. I hope you've understood that. Do you know what? This is amazing. And I do, as Dan said, have the joy of, of traveling around a bit to different nations. This whole thing we're talking about this morning is a big buzz subject everywhere. There are millions of people beginning to realize that God is restoring some things that we have lost. And the reason that this is so, so important is because as God is restoring these gifts to us, it's beginning to show us that not only is this the way to do church, but it's also the way to do mission and reach the people in the world in which we live. I challenge Christians and church structures and people who kind of do things differently to the way Jesus is different. Are we doing better than Jesus? Have we come up with a better plan and a better way than the way that he has established in his word? And so when churches ignore apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers, when they ignore this simplistic model of doing church, there is a price to pay for ignoring it. So let me say something slightly outrageous but important. I'm going to catch a flight in a few moments, so I'm all right. Might never come back again, no. Churches in Scotland are dying. Denominations in Scotland are dying. Those churches and those denominations are dying all over Europe. We, we, you can't dispute it. It's, it's just fact. It's just kind of there. The doors are closing They're losing loads of people every week. It's all like that. And there are many reasons as to why that is happening. And I guess the biggest reason that most people would surmise is we now live in a very secularized world. And so the church is dying and diminishing because it's irrelevant and it's kind of diminishing numbers because no one wants to know about Jesus and, and it's just kind of dying that way. I want to argue this point, that there is another reason why churches and denominations are dying is because they're not letting Jesus build their churches in the way that he has already said he wants to do in his word. So just to ignore the way that Jesus does it means you're going to die because you don't have a better idea or a better plan. 
And there's something about this that kind of ruins you, actually. <clears throat> you want to be in a local church that Jesus is building. Some of you are only here for a while, and some of you are students, and in a year or two, you'll be somewhere else. Please go and be part of a church community where Jesus is building, which is an apostolic church, where there are prophets and the pastors and teachers, and where there are elders and there are deacons, and the whole body is all functioning together when all of these things are happening all the time. An apostolic church is a church that aligns itself to modern-day apostolic ministry. Number two, an apostolic church is a church that is built on an apostolic and prophetic foundation. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, it's interesting because Paul starts to talk a bit about his own ministry. And he says, I'm a wise master builder and I've laid a good foundation. And uh, be careful, those of you coming on afterwards, when you begin to build the way that I uh, have laid a foundation. <clears throat> and um, he's an apostolic guy, so he's, he's laying an apostolic foundation. And he says, you know, when you come along after me, make sure that you lay a foundation which is Christ Jesus alone. He's very concerned that the foundation he's laying is not his idea, but the foundation is, is that which Jesus is building. Jesus is the foundation of everything. All attention should be towards him. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 uh, <clears throat> says that we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And these scriptures are all speaking to us about this importance of foundations. There are apostolic and there are prophetic foundations in the life of local churches. And foundations are so important, they're mass massively important because they shape everything else. So in other words, as an individual Christian, the foundations of your Christian life probably shape most of your Christian life from that. That's why it's important as a local church, we disciple people and we lay good foundations in Christians' lives. The Bible says, train a child up in the way he should go and he will not depart from it. What's that about? Well, those early years, children's lives are shaped, good or bad, by foundations or lack of that parents build into their lives. That's true of local church life as well. The foundations that are laid in a local church shape everything for all that's going to come from it afterwards. Sadly, many churches are not built on an apostolic and prophetic foundation. They're built on a pastoral foundation. That's the background that I come from. So when I started to plant a church, I, believe, I was building a pastoral foundation because that's all I knew when I started to uh, launch out into church ministry. I come from a background where essentially churches uh, that I knew from my childhood upwards were fundamentally built on a pastoral foundation. And these are generalized statements, but uh, when you're building on a pastoral foundation, um, it's basically about meeting the needs of Christians. And so when, when you're building on a church on a pastoral foundation, all the people that are part of it soon get to realize that the reason this church exists is primarily for me. It's there to meet my needs. If you're building on a pastoral foundation, it's a bunch of Christians who want their needs met. It's kind of me-centered. Life revolves around me. And you know, when the church doesn't meet my needs, hey-ho, I'll just go down the road and find one that does. It's like a completely wrong understanding of church and 
I think King's is a great church, but if you're only here for your needs to be met, I don't think they're going to do a great job. I think they'll try their hardest, they'll do the best they can, they'll put on all kinds of courses, but if your basic mentality of being a part of a church that's an apostolic church is that I hope this church will meet all, it's a kind of hospital, it's just there to meet my wounds, it's, it, it, to heal my wounds, it's there to meet my own personal needs, you will in the end feel very disappointed because there's no church that exists just to meet the needs of individual people. And the tragedy is you see people leave churches because this is their mentality. And of course, if you're in a church that's built on a, on a, on a, on a pastoral foundation, in the end, those that are trying to pastor you just get snowed under. It's just totally overwhelming to get, particularly in the age in which we live, as we reach out to people with all kinds of problems and messed up lives, if essentially we're a hospital just to meet all their needs and they all come amongst us, we get kind of snowed under with the need. I mean... Already we've forgotten about mission. Already we've forgotten about people whose lives are even messier than the ones we've already got. We can't cope with these, let alone a whole load of mess. So please don't join our church. I mean, no one says that, but it's kind of like we're already overwhelmed by all the pastoral needs of everybody that's here amongst us. A church built on an apostolic foundation exists to reach people who don't know Jesus. It essentially exists to reach the unchurched. And the good news for us in Scotland is there's so many of them. We are not going to go out of business. There are, there are vast percentages of people all around us that don't know Jesus, have got no intention of coming to church. And the church that's built on an apostolic foundation fundamentally exists not just to meet the needs of Christians, but to reach out constantly to find those who do not. Jesus said, I didn't come for the people who'd got it all together. I came for the people who knew that they were lost. He was an apostle. And if we're going to be built on an apostolic foundation, that will be us. Now, I know some of you already are misinterpreting what I'm saying. We do love Christians. I'm one of them. And we do love to pastor Christians. Now please hear this, it's ever so important. But the only way I can describe it is I'll put my arm round you and I will do all I can to be a loving shepherd and pastor you. But I'm going to do it in a context of mission. We'll walk through these things, we'll put on alpha plus 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 courses We'll do freedom in Christ courses. We'll do marriage courses. We're going to do all of that stuff. We'll help people as much. If you come to a church that's built an apostolic foundation, you won't feel you're not pastored, but you're being pastored in a context. Look, there's all these people. And you think your problems are really... You should come out here and meet these people. Because you're a child of Christ. You're in Christ. But look at these people. So please, King's Church needs to be a wonderful church which pastors people but the apostolic foundation causes us to do it in the context always of mission an apostolic church is where apostles lay foundations and this is one of the most important foundations it's why we want to plant churches it's why we want to make sure these foundations are right and the first foundation we need to put in every church is Christ Jesus and the moment you put Christ Jesus as the foundation, the cornerstone of everything, the next thing is you're trying to add people who are dead stones who will become living stones because they'll be added to the one who is alive forevermore. Hallelujah. 
Apostolic ministry does these things. Apostolic ministry is concerned with doctrine. It's concerned with ongoing care. It's concerned with, with making sure that the church that's been established is doing well. Apostolic church is just consumed. I mean, you just study all the scriptures with the person of the Holy Spirit. I love this passage in Galatians 3. And uh, Paul says to them in verse 1, you foolish Galatians. I wish I could be like him and stand up in front of churches and say, you foolish people. But we're kind of, we're, we're from the UK, so it's all, ni- all rather nice. You know, we never talk like, you foolish people. Well, just imagine if Dan got up next to say, you foolish people in kings. Why is he so kind of like this? Well, basically, the passage goes on to say, you began with the spirit. Do you think you're now going to do this through human effort? The Holy Spirit is vital to the apostolic foundation that's laid in the church. A church that's built on apostolic foundations is a church that's constantly wanting to come back to the Holy Spirit because he is the dynamic power that makes all these things come to pass. It's a dynamic impartation. Number three, an apostolic church is a missional church. So it receives and aligns to apostolic ministry. It's built on apostolic foundation. And thirdly, it's a missional church. Apostolic ministry does many things into local churches, but its main responsibility is to not solve all your local church problems. They're not super pastors. They are people who catch you up in global mission. Romans chapter 15, there's a long passage of scripture where Paul describes something that's really very, very important in his life. In Romans chapter 15, verse 22, he's talking about his ministry and how he catches churches up in it. This is the reason why I have been so often hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you, local church. Once I have enjoyed your company for a while, we'll have a glass of wine here and there. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to take, make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. Do you get the sense of this dynamic, moving, organic community all over the Roman Empire? For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered it to them uh, what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessings of Christ. If you're really interested in this subject, take some time out this week to read 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and chapter 11. Both chapters describe Paul's understanding of how apostolic ministry functions in terms of mission. This is not a super pastor trying to come in to help all the church with their local. He's on mission and he's on his way to Spain and he wants to catch the church up in this global mission that he is a part of. And this church has taken an offering and we're on our way down to Jerusalem and thank you so much because you're caught up in this mission and now I'm going to come to you. I'm going to stay with you for a few, a few days. Please save me a bottle of wine. But actually, I'm on my way to Spain because we're going to plant a whole lot of churches and you know, I might even catch some of you up on the process and you're going to come with me. 
So apostolic ministry is essential because it catches up. Its purpose is to catch up the, global church, the local church in global mission. Without apostolic ministry, and this is true for my own life, my local church, we will become parochial. We will, we will miss out on this sense of going to the nations of the earth. We, we just won't have that in our DNA. And, and apostolic ministry ensures that, that, that the, the, the vision and the mission that, say, King's Church in Edinburgh has got really is fulfilled. Jesus said this in Acts 1.8, that the Spirit will come upon you with power and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Part of the apostolic ministry is to come alongside a local church and first of all talk to them about their Jerusalem. Are you reaching your Jerusalem? Are you reaching this city in, in that which God has placed you. So all well, this weekend, I've been chatting to the elders' church about Edinburgh, your Jerusalem. How can we better, alongside other wonderful churches in Edinburgh, so it's not done to us, it's everybody, how can we reach this city with the gospel? Are we doing this? So I will chat with your elders. I, I ask questions. Why is this happening? When is that going to happen? What's next? Don't settle we haven't yet reached our Jerusalem. And then, of course, we go on to talk about Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, that every local church should have a global vision. So I'll say to your elders, so who's going? Where are we planting? Where's our Judea? Where's our Samaria? Where's our Judea? Well, West Lothian's a good start. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's kind of like, this is what God's called us to do. Apostolic ministry is a bit uncomfortable, it unsettles the nest. It asks awkward questions. It talks about it's time to move on. There's this passage in scripture where Paul comes along into a local church and he spots this guy in a crowd called Timothy. He says, what's that, that guy there, what's he like? You know, I really like the look of him. And they say, yeah, 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 he's a good guy. He serves, he does things. They say, great, can I have him please? Because I want to take him on ministry. I have literally walked into local churches. I was even doing it this morning a little bit as I was looking around. And I look at people and I think, I wonder, you know, that, that dynamic girl there and that single guy there and that couple there. I've literally walked into churches and had that conversation with elders about, I like the look of these people. You know, they could really kind of go, and I've literally had elders stand in front of me like this. What people? <laughs> I can't see any people with potential. It's a kind of unsettling Ministry. You can't take them, they're our best. Well, actually, they're the ones that we've got our eye on. It's a kind of, it, it, it's there to provoke. I think one of the great challenges that I personally face at the moment, I was sharing this with some people yesterday in the new ground world, is, is wanting to mobilize people to go. To do Jerusalem, yes, keep doing it, but Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And they were in danger, aren't we, of being very settled where we are and happy where we are, which is no bad thing, but to realise that an apostolic church is a missional church. It's always looking beyond the walls. It's always looking out to the next place. It's sacrifice. It's giving away your friends. You know, Liz and I, in our local church, we've said goodbye to so many people. Liz and I have been in places. We've been in even churches where people are sending people out that day that we hardly even know. And Liz even cries then. And I say, darling, you don't even know who these people are. We were one church in South Africa and they were sending a couple to Lesotho. And they all gathered around these people with their township cloaks 
and, 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 and hovered around them and blessed them. And Liz and I in sobs, we think we don't even belong to this church, let alone the one that they're going to. Because you realise the cost of involved in saying goodbye to people. It's great to have George on the screen. Some of you miss him. Just him being around here. Well, that's part of the cost that's involved. It's in our DNA to be a church community that's apostolic. Hey, I'm not doing so bad for time. Finally, the fourth aspect of what it means to be an apostolic church is that it always continues to be family. Um, and I think this is important. Why, why does this always stay family? Locally, translocally, globally. Because that's the way that Jesus built his church. He doesn't really have another way of doing it. Um, and this is really important. Just, just hear me as we're coming to a close. It doesn't start family and end up as an organization because it grew big. It always stays family. There is no other way of doing church other than family. We're a family of churches on a mission is a phrase deliberately put like that. If you end up just doing mission without family, you'll have organization. If you just do family without mission, you become parochial and small. And so we need to understand that it will always be family. Kings will always be family. If this church was to grow to 550, 600, it'd still be family. You just work a little bit harder at making sure that it is by making sure that it's relational. New Frontiers, the big family of churches that we're a part of globally, got to a point a number of years ago, it just got a bit impersonal and a bit big and we kind of looked at one another and said, well, we're family. So we multiplied everything that we're doing. We, we, we became a family of many families. Why did we do that? Because relationship is absolutely vital to our mission. We'll never get to a place of doing mission without relationship. My final scripture is just to read what Paul says and to kind of get this into your, in, into your being in Philippians chapter 1. And he's talking about the Philippian church. And verse 3 says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine. For you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership. It's great to read this. This is like many years on. There are many churches, multiplied thousands of people coming to Christ. He homes right in. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day till now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to, look at this word, feel. That's important, to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. This is not headquarters. This is not denominational HQ talking. This is not some distant apostle who no one knows, even though he's in prison. He's talking with affection. You see, he's saying to them, I hold you in my heart for you are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. 
This is someone bearing his heart in affection towards the church. This is the atmosphere, the very atmosphere of the early church on apostolic mission. Never cold, never clinical, never too big, never impersonal. It always builds family. Don't ever think that you know, you're part of a church that somehow loses family. It won't happen when you're aligned to apostolic ministry because true apostolic ministry breathes this into the local church and it becomes part of what we are, which is really, really important. We're just starting to work into Brazil and Liz and I are going there later on this year and we're working with three churches and we're working hard with three churches. We've been working hard with these three churches for two years. They're just on the process now this year of becoming part of our family and we're really excited. The room is behind them are hundreds and hundreds of other churches that are desperate and want to become part of this family. And we're not going to flip that over and say, okay, everybody in, come on, yep, whoop, new grounds, got 370 churches in Brazil. That's organizational, that's headquarters. This is about affection and warmth. And when these, when these three churches kind of really get it and become part of us with all our values and all the apostolic alignment, they're the ones that are going to start talking to the other churches in Brazil. They're the ones who are modelling it and going to say, do you know what, this is what it's really all about. And it's all in Portuguese, so you can understand all of it, which is wonderful. This is affection. One of our elders in church in Lyon, his wife has had serious chronic cancer for years, and she died at the beginning of this year. Liz and I were very privileged just to be able to get out there for a, a couple of days, go to the celebration of her life. And what struck me about her and her life, and she was a remarkable woman, two, two young children, terribly sad, is the affection and the warmth of the family that gathered right across France. Churches all together coming in to celebrate the life of someone they dearly love and miss. I remember a friend of mine called Simon Pettit, who some of you are old as me, you will remember. And he was leading so much stuff and at the age of... Right across Africa, age of 50, he died. And, and the thing about the following weeks was the affection. I talked to people everywhere I went, and they'd say, oh, it's just so sad that we've lost Simon. And I'd say to them, how much time did you ha have with him? So well, I never spoke to him. I've never spoken to him in life, but how I miss him. It's just amazing, the affection that you feel. It's not hard for Liz and I to come up here to be in Edinburgh. Why do we come here? The weather? to watch hearts play football on TV? Yeah, no. Why? And the beautiful city that Edinburgh is, and wow, what a beautiful city. I wish God had called me here. I mean, it's just an amazing place. But it's because of you. It's because of the affection. It's because of love and relationships and friendships. The reason I can talk about your lead elder's boots is because we're friends. We love one another. It's important for us to understand this will never grow into something else other than family. Amen. I love being part of an apostolic church. It's been my privilege to do that. I love being part of an apostolic movement. It's constantly provoked me. I've been in ministry for 42, three years and a great joy of my life is I've always been provoked. I've never been allowed to settle I've never been allowed to become parochial or think small. And every time I do, I just hear a story. I'm provoked by what my brothers and sisters are doing 
in other parts of the world. It's just a great joy. And for King's Church, that you will be an apostolic church and that you will reach this city with the gospel. You'll reach this nation of Scotland. You'll reach the nations of the world. That you will become a church planting movement. And even in this congregation, many one day will be sent And it won't feel strange because you'll know it's in your DNA, as we said right at the beginning, and you'll become a sending church. Holy Spirit, just come and cause this church to send many in the days, months, years to come so that the the gospel, the good news of Jesus will indeed go to the nations of the world. We ask it together in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.